Laundry, dishes, cleaning. Does God even really care about these things? We are managers of our homes. It is a high calling from the Lord and it's not simple. We are mothers, nurses, therapists, librarians, boo-boo kissers, teachers, chefs, and so much more. We have many hats to wear, embrace it fully, learn to love it because our work is worthy, because our work is unto the Lord to bring Him glory. Welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer. This is episode 189, and it is our monthly installment of our Mom to Mom ministry. This year, we have been walking through the rooms of the house, and today we will be visiting the laundry room. Yep, the laundry room. Kind of a boring place with a lot of work. This is a place where you and I likely spend a lot of time sorting, washing, drying, folding, and then sorting, washing, drying, folding, and doing it all over again, over and over. This is a pretty ordinary part of a woman's life. And actually, that's what this talk is focused on for today, is the ordinary pieces of a woman's life and how we can bring glory to God no matter our chores, tasks, and daily schedule. When we do these normal, everyday things, like laundry or doing dishes or cleaning out a closet or your junk drawer, they can be done for God's glory. And today we're going to jump in and listen to Heidi Huntsacker walk us through this topic. Well, good morning, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Because it sounds very echoey up here. Um, so I'm excited to be here today with you this morning. And when Elizabeth asked me to talk, um, I kind of had an idea. She was walking towards me. I was like, oh no, she's going to ask me something. <laughs> And um, she's told me about the theme that they're going to go through the house and that they wanted me to do the laundry room. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. They said laundry room. I'm like, I like laundry. (laughs) I can do that. Um, But I have been given a bigger task today than to give you some hints on laundry. Um, It's our job today to find the glory and the ordinary. And the timing couldn't be more perfect um, for January because we just got past the holidays. And it always seems like everyone is ready for a break and ready to purge and clutter and clean. Um, I really do think January is now like the new spring cleaning. I I guess it should be called winter cleaning. Um, So what does that mean, though? What is glory and the ordinary? Well, let's start with glory. There are five solos of the Reformation, which distinguished the Reformers from the teaching of Rome or the Catholic Church back in the 16th century. And one of those five solos is to glory or to glory to God alone. I'm not gonna give you the other version because I can't say it. (laughs) So what is glory? Well, glory comes from the Latin word gloria, which means renown, praise, or honor. So our praise, our honor belongs to God alone. So how do we honor God? Well, by doing what he has set before us, that the work that the Lord has placed in our sphere brings glory to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Let's repeat that. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That whatever you do represents the totality of our days. While we don't spend every waking moment working in our homes, it does make up a huge portion of our time. 
Our very ordinary days are filled with diapers and dishes and laundry and dishes and laundry and more dishes and more meals and more diapers. <laughs> um, and that tiny task of raising our little soul bearers to the Lord. Um, but we're supposed to do that all for the Lord and not for ourselves. Also, we need to recognize that the home is our sphere as women, and we need to embrace that fully. And we cannot have a talk um, about wives and homes without referencing Titus 2. Titus 2, 3 through 5. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and to train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. That is sobering. We have a list of what is expected of us, that the word of God may not be reviled. To love our husbands and our children, that one is easy to see the importance of. But working at home? My laundry could revile the word of God or bring him glory? My work is that important? Well, yes. Yes, it is. So how are you bringing honor and glory to the Lord through your work? Are you working with joy? First Thessalonians says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But saying and doing are two different things. The head knowledge of giving thanks and rejoicing is a simple concept to get and to say, but to put into practice, that is hard. When you have three little ones <clears throat> under six, it can get very overwhelming at times. When one has an explosive diaper, one's getting to the dog dish, the one's climbing on the bookshelf, it's ready to topple over. Those are the moments that it gets so hard. And this is on top of the little bit of sleep that you've had because the baby's teething. I mean, we've all been there. It's easy to snap at everyone and give in to the exhaustion and self-pity. But let's not give in to the world's answer to this and become the hot mess mom. Proverbs 21.9 tells us it is better to live in a corner of the house stop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. We do not want to become that quarrelsome wife. We do not want to be a complainer or a Debbie Downer. Do not let the temptation to feel defeated or overwhelmed become your daily greeting to your husband. I have a friend that in order to be authentic, she said she's not going to give fake answers when you ask her how she feels. That is not necessarily a bad thing, but what is sad is that she seems to be continually in the state of defeat, and we don't need to be there. She lacks joy and contentment because she can't recognize the good that the Lord is giving her. But as Christians, we do not need to feel de defeat or overwhelmed. We don't need that to be our mantra. We have the Lord on our side, and we can do all things through Christ. He is our strength, so we need to believe that and act on it. So work joyfully and learn to laugh. Yep, stick with me. So I have a story to share about this. Um, spoiler alert, this one actually ends kind of well. Usually I give bad stories. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, and I do have many that I have failed and struggled in, um, but... I have not always been give, good at giving thanks to all things and all circumstances, but I'm learning, and I'm grateful to the Lord that he's gracious and good at allowing growth in that area. So right smack dab in the middle of writing this, I was literally typing it out. I guess the Lord wanted me to have some good talking points. So my husband comes out, and my two-year-old had puked. <laughs> and we don't puke a lot in our house. <laughs> this is a little bit harder. And... Um, it wasn't just any puke, it was spaghetti puke. Sorry if I'm making anyone sick. <laughs> um, and you know, it's the kind that stains everything and we have a lot of white carpet. 
Um, and this is on top of I had been fighting the world's longest cold. I had lost my voice, and I couldn't even speak to my husband. And we were trying to clean it all up. Um, and then on top of that, my back had went out, which isn't usual for me either. Um, so because of that, I had not been really keeping up with the laundry. I know this is a laundry talk. Um, but I, the counters were full. The washers and dryer were both full. The sink in the laundry room was full. And even the floor had baskets of stuff. <laughs> so I am walking in with my arms filled with all of this stuff. And I walk in, and I had nowhere to put it. So in that moment, I could have just really gotten mad or yelled or something. I don't know who I would yell at, no one was around. But instead in that moment, I took a moment and I thought, I'm in here writing a talk about how to give glory to God and all these things. So I'm like, I can either cry or I can laugh. So I just laughed. <laughs> and then to get through that, um, I started thinking about what, what do I have to be thankful for? So what can I praise the Lord for this moment? And um, I lost my spot, I went off key. Um, well, I was thankful to my husband, Joe, because he didn't freak out. He used to freak out at puke, but now that we've done it a handful of times, he doesn't. So it's not our first rodeo there. And we know the drill. We know who does what, and we just get it done. We thank the Lord that we only had one sick at the moment, and most importantly, that it was contained in the sheets and in the clothes, nothing on the floor. We thank the Lord that we had two washers and two dryers, even though they were full. And we thank the Lord that we had spare sheets and spare sheets that were clean and able to be found. This has not always been the case. Um, there is much to be thankful and praise the Lord for, even in Operation Puke Cleanup. So, be joyful in your work. Find the good and recognize that our work is a gift. We need to throw out the world's concept that work is just a means to get to the fun or the good stuff. That work is drudgery. But that's a lie. Work is a gift, and it is the good stuff. I love this saying that Abby Haberstadt, I don't know if that's how you say your name, she's an Instagram lady that has a book. I have not read it, so disclaimer, I don't know if it's good or not. But the book is called Hard is Not the Same Thing as Bad. Let me repeat that. Hard is not the same thing as bad. We live in a world that, hard, that anything that is hard or not fun is automatically assigned to being bad. But as Christians, we know better. We need to remember that work was created before the fall. It wasn't from the results of sin that we work now. It was a gift already given. Now our work is harder as a result of sin, but it is still good and it still brings glory to God. Now my 11-year-old actually said to me the other day that she doesn't really like break days or sick days, which really threw me off because I feel like every day they ask me if it's a break day or someone's coming over because that means it's a break day. And so I asked a few more questions to kind of get to the root of this, and she basically said that she gets bored and I think what she couldn't articulate was that when we're not producing fruit and we're not doing anything or focusing on work, it can be depressing to sit around. In John 15, 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So when you've lacked purpose with your day, and you are left unsatisfied with no fruit being produced. So we need to recognize that work is good, and it is very satisfying. It's a gift, and it's wonderful. Just look at the Proverbs 31 woman, and you will find an example to exemplify. She works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night to provide food. She invests in fields and makes a profit. She works so vigorously with her arms are strong. Her lamp does not go out at night, and she opens her doors to the needy. This is quite a woman. She is bringing honor to the Lord through her hard work. Are you? 
Do you work hard? Are you recognizing that it's good and not just something to check off the list? Now, be careful not to fall in the other ditch and be busy doing nothing that is productive. Our work should be producing fruit. My grandma used to say, do something even if it's wrong. What she meant was not to be idle, but it does fall short in not addressing that not all work is worthy of doing. Don't get caught up spending hours folding socks perfectly when they're just getting tossed into the drawer. I came from a family that folded socks perfectly and kept them nice, neat stacks. Now, I can do that for my husband. He likes that. But I don't waste time with the kids' socks anymore. I used to. And now they're just rolled up in pairs and tossed in the hamper, and they take them and put them away. Now, I know for some of you that may even be one step too far. Um, but the point is, just don't waste time in areas that don't matter or you're working in vain. And sometimes our work can feel as we are working in vain, that we just swept and mopped the floor to turn around and see the toddler drop the cup or the dog run through with muddy paws. This just happened to me yesterday. I often tell my husband that it's been one of the hardest parts of homemaking for me, that most of what I do doesn't really have a concrete end. Um, and I'm that type of person that really likes lists, and I like to check my list off. Um, to the point that if I've already started working and I, then I made my list, I'm going to add what I've already done and I'm going to check it off. Anybody else? Oh, yes, you're with me, my people. Um, um, but I like my work to be quantifiable and I like finished work. But as wives and mothers and daughters of the king, our work does not have an end by date. We will be doing this glorious work unto the Lord, Lord willing, to our last breath. And that is something to praise the Lord for, that we will always have a purpose. So like big moments, holidays, events, church services, while significant, do not take a large portion of our time. It's the day in and day out tasks, the ones that are never ceasing, that have no end. That is what makes up the majority of our days and lives. Now this sounds simple, but it was hard for me to really put into practice and remember that it never ends that you're never really going to be done with laundry or dishes. We are always creating more. I had to be okay with not all being done. To not get overly distraught that the garden still had weeds, that the floors still did not get mopped, and I cannot possibly live up to these expectations that I was placing on myself. That there was not this magic time when all was picture perfect clean, that every room and drawer was perfectly decorated, cleaned, and organized, that we ate every leftover, and there was no food waste. Um, and all the meals turned out well and not burnt. Um, but where was I getting these expect expectations? We know we need to work, and our work is supposed to be hard, and our work is unto the Lord, but what is our work, and who is defining it for us? What should we be spending our time doing? Do we need a Pinterest-worthy home, meals, or decorations? Does our husband expect that? Do our kids, or do we? We need to work with our husbands and come before the Lord prayerfully and discuss the family's needs, goals, and expectations. Are we putting the Lord first in what we prioritize? Are we being a Proverbs 31 woman working hard and providing food and making wise money decisions? Or do we let the world and others dictate our days? These are important questions to ask yourselves. Because building homes, not houses, and hospi hospitality is our goal. This is a place, oh, sorry, remember that you are not building a house but a home. That is a place of hospitality. That does not mean a pristine, always ready, 1950s styles house. You are creating a home for the Lord to use as a tool for your family and for the guests or strangers that comes your way. When you look around your home, is it inviting? Is it reasonably cleaned up where people can sit? 
Does it smell okay? Don't underestimate the importance of cultivating beauty in the home. Our homes are a reflection of what we believe and hold most important. How are you cultivating this beauty in your home? Is that important to you? Would other, others recognize that you love the Lord, love your family, and love of guests through your home? We need to recognize that God is a God of order and not of chaos, and that we should be reflected in our homes. Our homes should be peaceful, neat, well-ordered, a place where people want to come and feel welcomed. While a home, where a clean home does not equal perfect hospitality, it does set a mood. Are we setting a mood that says you are welcomed and we care about you? Having your laundry with your personal items strewn across the couch isn't exactly inviting. But don't go into the other ditch. Is it a showpiece with off-limit rooms and plastic protectors on the couches? Are children welcome? Is it decorated with others in mind, or is it all about the aesthetic that you want? How many of your decorations have meaning or purpose? Does your home reflect your family more than Hobby Lobby? Cultivating beauty does take work and time. Some of you are natural at this and others are not, but this is a great time to bring a friend in and ask her to help if this isn't a strength for you. It doesn't have to be expensive. For many years, most of my decorations came from garage sales or hand-me-downs or were given to me. And, and for those of you in this area, you have Facebook Marketplace, and that is a gift you should be very thankful for. <laughs> I do not live this way. <laughs> um, you have the motherload of options for real, though. Um, and in the world of secondhand, some skills are very helpful, but do not underestimate the power of spray paint. I can do that. I'm not that crafty, but I can spray paint. Um, and don't forget, hospitality and beauty isn't just for guests or show. Make your home a reflection of your family. Now, I'm a white Christmas light kind of gal, um, but I was able to get some lights this year at the big famous Costco, or we like to call it the Costco's. Um, and they're the new little fairy twinkling lights that come in a pack, and they are white or color. And even better, there's a setting that goes white and color, and it's not like super annoying blinky, it's like real slow. And I'll tell you what, that made Christmas extra special for all of the Hunsakers now, because I have a couple colored light people. Um, so making your spaces friendly for your children doesn't mean it has to look like a nursery exploded or a daycare is in your living room. Um, baskets. Baskets are your best friend. Um, we use them for all kinds of things, from blankets to toys to things in the bathroom. They can hide a lot of clutter and in a beautiful way. Um, so if you walked in and we had it generally picked up, it would look like a really pretty picture, but everything in there has a purpose. And coming from a home that had off-limit rooms that were just for show, I knew I wanted to cultivate a home that was both beautiful, functional, and purposeful. And it actually has been one of my favorite parts of homemaking, that challenge of those two worlds and putting that into one package. Okay, so once you get thinking, get your thinking wrapped around that the work is good, it is a gift, the work is continuous, and that we'll be working to create homes and not houses, we get to practice and perfect how we go about it. So just how do we get all of it done? Because that all is huge. Our ordinary days, while ordinary, are quite full of tasks. For those of us with fitness trackers, we know just how many steps it takes to get this done. I recently had a day with almost 13,000 steps and I hadn't taken a step outside the door, like literally not outside the door. Um, it was closet cleaning and um, purging for six boys. 
the girls do their own. <laughs> now I'm going to give you some tips and have helped me along the years. Now take what works for you, but this is by no means an exhaustive list and will probably click with some personalities more than others. Just remember, don't let others determine what your expectations or what your house should look like. Things like Pinterest are a great tool, but don't get lost and try to imitate. Take what you need and leave the rest. I often take three or more ideas and make a doable version that I can handle. Also be real with your skill level. Do not spend hours pinning master level sewing projects if you haven't sewn on a button. You can put that in the someday category, but don't waste your time there. Also be real with your sen and understand where your weaknesses are. Like where do you fall into ditches? Are you lazy? Do you procrastinate? Are you overly thorough or nitpicky? Sometimes there's a time to be thorough, sometimes there's a time to be fast. Okay, so first, make a plan. Routines are great and they're natural for some of us, um, and some of us fly by the seat of our pants. Um, but to say that you're not a routine person, I will call bull. Everyone is to an extent. It just looks different. Everyone has patterns and flows to their day. It just may not look as organized as some others. Now, those to, now to those of you who fully embrace your schedule, you can't have your routines and your schedule so tight that you're not flexible. Okay, so we do need a schedule or a routine no matter who we are. And this is how I've went about it. You do not need to copy me. This is just what works for me. Um, we touched on this earlier, but sit down with your husband or go on a date and pray with him. Go over the family goals and expectations of what things should or shouldn't be. Ask the Lord for his guidance to give you wisdom and direction in this. Then go over what he expects of you as his helpmeet. Because remember, you are his helpmeet. He's not yours. And then research. Early in my marriage, I read a couple of housekeeping books, and these were a great tool to me to get an idea of how to break down the cleaning and what needed to be cleaned, what time, what time of year, um, areas that I wouldn't even have thought of that needed cleaned. Um, it was a great tool for me. Pinterest is good, and when I started, that wasn't a thing. Um, but it kind of can be a rabbit hole and tends to not be very thorough. Um, so I started with the Martha Stewart. It was like this thick book. Um, this was prior to her going to jail, so <laughs> I don't know what she's like now. <laughs> but the book is this big, and it's, it's very, very, very helpful. Um, then after you get an idea of what needs to, to be done, what the expectations are, then make a realistic list of your day-to-day must-dos. Um, this may sound tedious, but it is helpful. Keep a record of your days. Um, how much time does it take to do the laundry, make breakfast, get everyone bathed, dressed? Writing this out can help see where you have time wasters, but also if your expectations can't be possibly met. Um, I've done that before where I wrote it all down, hour by hour, and I'm like, oh, that's why I can't do that, because it's literally taking me this long to get all of these must-dos done. I don't actually have time to do that. Um, then, once you have that list of must-dos, you need to, then you can add it into a weekly chore or need list. Then you can go to the monthly and the seasonal needs, and then even yearly needs, like your porch. It probably only needs super cleaned once or twice a year. And this is where the books can come in handy and to figure out how often to move the fridge and sweep behind it, or realize that maybe when you make this list, you haven't done it since the purging of 2020. Um, after I did all of this, I came up with our zone cleaning system. Um, and this is how I could break down those lists and really hard to get to tasks. I broke our house into zones by the weeks of the month. It sounds a little overwhelming, but it was a way for me to know that I may not have cleaned the inside of the oven this month, but the next go around, I could catch it then. And it kept me from getting overwhelmed with all the things I haven't done. If I have a week assigned to that area, then I know 
I didn't get to this month, I'll get to it next month if I can. Um, and we could spend all day here and talk about all the different cleaning schedules, routines, but the biggest thing is to be purposeful and find something that works for you. There's no use spending time on a detailed clean daily cleaning list you can't possibly accomplish with the time that you have. Next is learning to love laundry and all things ordinary. Learn to truly enjoy your work. Look for things to love about laundry or whatever other task that is a struggle for you. In our home, it is a house rule that we're not allowed to say, I don't like, and then insert the task. I personally try to be very purposeful in not letting myself go down this line of thinking that I hate laundry or anything else. And this also spills over into school. We're not allowed to say, I don't like history. You need to learn to like something about history. Instead, we focus on learning to see the good of the task, to notice what is being produced, that it shouldn't be about how we feel at that moment or how everyone else says we should feel about things like laundry. Because we all have learned in the last year that our feelings lie to us through a really cool podcast. Also, focus on who we are doing it for for the Lord, for our family, and for our guests. So yes, even laundry is good, and who doesn't like fresh smelling warm streets straight from the dryer? Isn't that not the best thing, really? Um, or just read Little House in the Prairie, and you will appreciate laundry hour versus laundry days. I really do think that was the turning point for me, <laughs> was reading that. Um, for those especially challenging tasks, try to change the mood by turning on music or listening to a podcast, sipping on a good cup of tea or coffee while you work, and this can really help keep our minds focused on good things. Also, make spaces like the laundry area more inviting. Decorations and beauty are not just for the main rooms. Now, I'm blessed to have an actual laundry room, and I know some of you don't have that, but maybe you have a closet, or maybe it's even in the basement. Um, but you can make any of those spaces more inviting. Even if it's in the basement, you could add a rug or an extra lighting, and maybe even a fake plant. Um, if it's in your hall closet, you could change out the soaps to some of the prettier glass bottles, or you could hang a pretty verse up the read while you're working, um, or changing out plastic baskets for actual real baskets. Um, don't underestimate the power of those things. I recently did this to my own room, and I have this tiny window seal, and I started decorating it for the holidays. Um, I had some extra pumpkins left over from the fall, so I stuck them up there and I was like, oh, that's really cute. So then I purposely went out this year and actually bought, some of you have the little trees on the table. Um, they were from Target, at least mine were, and they look like that, and I stuck them in my window. And it was just fun and it just made me laugh or smile every time I went in there. Um, I also changed out my broken watering can for a new pretty one, and then I left it on the shelf for display in between use. And then I put my soaps and my stain stuff in the pretty glass jars. And I knew before I did this I would like it, but I definitely underestimated how much it would help cheer up the space. And not just for me, but for the family as well. Even my little seven-year-old always comments when I move things around like that. Um, and I thought, if he can notice that, I think everybody else is too. Now, beyond, beyond making our areas cheerful, don't make your job harder than it needs to be. Quality tools matter. My daughter came home from her cleaning job recently and said she was gonna save money for a sweeper when she moves out. I was like, oh, not what I thought you were gonna say you were saving your money for. And then she asked if she could use my sweeper. I was like, no. <laughs> um, but she recognized that she could not do a thorough job sweeping with the tool that she was given. Um, 
So, some things to keep in mind when you're sourcing your tools. Look for tools that help your day and not hinder them. It doesn't do you any good to have a sweeper that has all the gadgets and gizmos. I'm thinking those rainbow things, those clunky things. Um, if you're not going to use that, you may not want to use the space to keep that. Make your tools accessible. Um, we have three floors, so each floor has its own sweeper because if I don't have a tool handy, I'm likely to not use it in that moment. But if it's nearby, you can quickly grab it and clean it. Same goes for your bathroom cleaners. If you have this space, stick them in there. And if you have like pedestal stinks and things like that, that's where a basket comes in handy. Because I have bathrooms that do not have storage, but I just stick a basket in there and I keep all the tools in there. And you're much more likely to clean it while maybe you're potty training and they're sitting on there for 10 minutes looking at the book, not going potty, you can clean the sink and talk to them all at the same time. Um, and don't underestimate the power of beautiful tools. They are two for one. They both serve as a decor item, but also useful. Can you tell I dusted a lot at my house and there was a lot of unuseful things? <laughs> um, but these days you can find a lot of affordable options. Um, and I've been slowly growing a collection of things like cutting boards that I do use, but they are sitting out, um, and glass amber bottles. And I'll give you a hint. Do not buy glass empty jars. They're like $10, even at TJ Maxx, for an empty glass bottle. You can buy the glass-filled ones already with soap for like five bucks. So, little hint there. Okay, we're gonna get into Pinterest, YouTube, Instagram, or whatever you like to use for inspiration. But they are in the tool section, and let's remember to keep them there. They are designed to be an entertainment system, but we need to keep them in the realm of tools, especially like things like Pinterest. And if that's a struggle to you, you can always resort to a magazine. There are a few out there still. Or better yet, a friend, um, which is always a good idea. And those of us that like to decorate, we like to help decorate too. Okay, moving on. Learn to work fast and effectively and redeem the time that you do have. You need to keep up with your work. I know that's hard when you have a bunch of littles, letting something build up makes tasks and days much harder, especially find yourself continuously in a catch-up mode. Learn to multitask and not procrastinate jobs you don't like. Like if you're cooking, wash the dishes as you go. It's much easier than to wait till later. My grandma always, always told me, clean as you go, clean as you go. And she used to teach me how to bake and cook and stuff like that. And we were not allowed to do anything until we cleaned up the first mess or in the middle of something you had to clean it up. But that is completely in my head and I do not do that without cleaning as I go. And she's one of the hardest working women I've ever met and she never complained about her work and that's been a lasting effect on me. That she just did the next thing and never wasted a minute and never complained. And speaking of minutes, it is amazing what you can get done with minimal time. I know we've all had the call that someone's stopping over and you have maybe 20 minutes if you're lucky to pick up. And it's always amazing how fast you can snap that house into shape real quick. Um, also, five to 10 minute jobs, keep a list of them. You never know when you're gonna have a spare moment like the baby sleeping extra long or is content in the bouncer. Um, and you can quickly clean a silverware drawer. Now, you don't have to deep clean every drawer in the kitchen, break it up. For many of you, this is common sense. For me, it took a long time to learn that, that I didn't have to actually do all of the kitchen at once. I could do one drawer at a time. Okay, so many are gonna say, I don't have any free minutes. I always have a baby or toddler with me. And working with littles around is definitely challenging. 
And there's some jobs I just don't do if the little ones are around. I wait for my husband to come home or maybe late at night or early in the morning. But generally speaking, the children are around while I work and always have been. For babies, baby wearing is always an option. Um, swings, bouncers, high chairs. I know in this day and age you see a lot of information out there about minimalism and you don't need multiple baby items, um, but I'm kind of old school. I find that multiple options are very helpful. For one, I like the, the tool to be handy. Just like my sweepers and my bathroom things, I need my baby gadgets to be handy or I'm not gonna use them. So near our kitchen, I always have something there, whether it's the high chair or like a bouncer or an activity center. Um, in the living room, I have like a gated area that I can put him in. Um, and do I keep the baby in there all the time? No, no, not at all. But when I need to get something done quick and wearing is not like very optional sometimes, or they're just in the way, I use my well-placed baby item and keep them busy in there. Now, I know that some of you say, my kid doesn't like the swing or things like that. And I know that not every child may do well in some of these devices, but I do encourage you to give it a fair try. There are many reasons babies cry, and I wouldn't give up too quickly, especially if you're a new mom with a new baby. Just keep trying. I eight kids. I've never had one not eventually like something. Now, don't leave them in there forever or anything like that. Okay, toddler stage. That's a little trickier, but it is a great age to teach them the joy of work because most toddlers are fascinated with everything and wanting to copy every single thing you do. So it's a great time to start training them now. So train them to play, but before they work with you, you can train them to play on their own. That's extremely useful. Children should not need to have constant attention. There's a time and place for crafting and fun with kids, but it doesn't need to be all day or every waking moment. It is a good skill for them to learn to work on their own. But they're gonna copy you and that's great and you want to train them. So let them help. My three-year-old right now got a sweeper for Christmas this year and last year because he loves, loves sweeping. And I have the cordless ones that cost a lot, so I don't actually want him to use that because if he drops it, I can't replace that every time he drops it and breaks it. <laughs> so we get him toys that cultivate that same love of work and works for him, and they're his size. We also use Norwex cleaning cloths. So if you're not familiar with them, you can clean with just water, and they are great for kids and budget. Like, I have not bought very many cleaners for the last 10 or 12 years, and I'm not a consultant or anything like that. I just really, really like them. I even have the mini ones, they have little tiny ones that are great for the little kids' hands and they all love like Norwex Day, like they line up still. Even my like eight-year-old, nine-year-old, however he is, he really likes his Norwex cloth. <laughs> um, but more than let them help, teach them to clean up after themselves. A very young child can help clean up toys, help throw the baby's diapers away, carry groceries in, um, help unload the dishwasher, there's many jobs that they can do. Now, beyond the toddler stage can have its own challenges. They may not always want to copy mom with pure joy. Laziness and sin creep in. They suddenly become hard of hearing, their eyesight poor, and a total loss of all skills that you've trained them in. <laughs> but don't give in to despair or quit expecting more. If you're finding your children working with lack of joy, first take a hard look at yourself. Children often imitate our sins. Are you working with joy? If not, repent and begin, because joy is contagious. Okay, first start with setting expectations, training, and checking their work, and praise them for a job well done. I cannot express enough that this is continuous and hard job. I did not get that at first. They often will not get something the first, second, third, or maybe even tenth time. 
It is essential for them to understand what is expected of them, and training is key for that. Then checking their work in a timely fashion. Checking, checking, I cannot emphasize enough, checking their work and helping them work through if it wasn't done correctly. This can help with training issues, sin issues, or maybe if you found half the groceries left in the back of the van. We had that happen a few times. Um, fancy chore charts and systems are great as long as you can reasonably keep up with them. I bet if we were to do a show of hands, most of us have implemented some shiny, beautiful chore chart with stickers and rewards. I would think many of us have specific, can't talk, specifically had one of the wooden Melissa and Doug charts with cute magnets. Anybody? Yeah. Oh, not as many as I would have thought. However, I think the hands would start coming down if I ask you if it lasted more than a day, a week, or a month. If you are one that could keep your hand up, that is awesome. Now, Melissa and Doug didn't last in our house, but I actually do have a chore chart with clear expectations that works for us in this season, but it took a while to get to that place. I had to be real with what works for us and throw out the rest. Okay, some other things that have helped for us. Um, we do a lot of job rotating, um, with, whether that is for a season or with the, through the week. Um, we let the kid that has learned something train the next kid. That gives them a lot of skill while training because you know that if you can teach it, then you know that you really know how to do it. Um, we also give random awards for a job well done. We praise them often. I can't emphasize that enough to praise them. And then sometimes I help them with their chores. Um, that's kind of new that I've seen how helpful that is. I've always done that, but now they're to the point, a lot of my older ones, where they are efficient and can do their own work. But when I hop in and help them, they just love that. And it gives us a good time to talk. Um, also giving them bigger responsibilities and making it a big deal that you have graduated to the next hard task. Um, and also offering a paid list. That's been helpful for us. And then make the jobs fun with things like music or maybe a rewarding with a game afterwards when you're all finished. But most importantly, help them to see that work is a joy and that it is unto the Lord and not for mom. One last tip. Make the ordinary extraordinary. We've just came from the holidays with tons of fun, big traditions and big moments. But those do not only need to come out in the holiday seasons. Have some simple traditions that come out daily or weekly. For us, I wake the kids with a song. I will not share that. Um, but I do change the words for the day, but the tune is basically the same. And when we have peanut butter toast, it always comes with a peanut butter, or peanut butter and then banana smiley face. And for one of them, it also has to have jelly cheeks. <laughs> um, and then we have waffles on Saturdays. Um, sometimes we even have a friend over. Um, sometimes we throw impromptu, impromptu tea parties. Um, but all of these little moments add up to make those ordinary days the best days. And how we care for our homes, our families, and how we talk about these roles matters. It is a witness to the world of who we are and who we represent. Matthew 5:16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Are we claiming that we are the hot mess mama like it's a badge of honor? Or are we sweetly going about our work, work serving others cheerfully and unto the Lord? Do people want to come to your home? Do your grown children remember their youth with joy? Do your grandkids want to come? Are you remembered for plastic protectors on your couches in rooms that are off limits? If so, you're cultivating a house and not a home. One time, my mom was filling out a form and wrote the term domestic engineer. 
And I was just so impressed with those big words. I was like, Mom, I thought you were like a housewife. <laughs> and she laughed and said, no, that's just a fancy way to say housewife. But I like it. We are managers of our homes. It is a high calling from the Lord, and it's not simple. We are mothers, nurses, therapists, librarians, boo-boo kissers, teachers, chefs, and so much more. We have many hats to wear, embrace it fully, learn to love it, because our work is worthy, because our work is unto the Lord to bring Him glory. Let us pray. Lord, help us to cultivate a home where you reign and you are praised continuously. A home that is built on your foundation, a home that brings glory to you, Lord, and not to us. In your name, amen. Okay, so many practical things that we learned. I love her challenge to us to look for ways to make the ordinary spaces pretty and welcoming so we'll want to be there. I also love her tip to have a list of five to 10 minute jobs that we could get done quickly so we're ready to use the extra time we have efficiently. But mostly I appreciate Heidi's call to us to do whatever we do for God's glory. What a great thing to remember today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I am grateful to you for the ordinary stuff we do every day. Driving places, cleaning up after others, doing dishes. Lord, you know all the ordinary things. I pray today that as we do these things, that our hearts will be soft to you, that we will be quick to respond with joy, and that you will help us to do them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And it's time for this episode's tiny tidbit. A tiny tidbit is a small, tiny piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Today's tiny tidbit is brought to you from Adrian McClavick. Welcome, Adrian. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to hear. I know you have lots of tidbits in your life. I do. Okay, good. I'm excited to hear this one today. What do you got for us? Well, I'm going to talk about carpet. Oh, my. Yes. So my carpet history a little bit is that 20 years ago, we moved into a house that we absolutely love, but it does have wall-to-wall flat beige carpeting in every room except the kitchen, dining room. Bathrooms. And bathrooms. So I'm Did talking... Did you pick this carpet? No, no, no. We came that way. Oh, okay. Yes. If I picked carpet, it would be sort of dirt colored and <laughs> many textures to it. Right, right. So... Um, it is expansive white, light yeah. beige carpeting. Yeah. And I will add that we have um, six kids and now we have soon to be 11 grandkids who are all local. We have a dog. We have many people through our house. We host mm-hmm. a small group, which really isn't that small. Right. We, right. Um, you know, we've had Backyard Bible Club in our house. With yeah. 150 kids. We had Bible studies. We have a blacktop driveway. My kids used to spend all their time oh. in the blacktop, you know, driveway playing basketball. We've had a lot of people people in our house and activity and my carpet has been puked on spilled on bled bled on on. (laughs) you name it it's happened and by the grace of god and with a few carpet tips that i'm going to share with listeners right now that carpet is still beige and and looks good and looks good wow it does so i'm going to share a couple of those hacks with you now i'm excited okay so one thing that might come as a surprise is that, and I was told this by a professional carpet cleaner, and I kind of was a little bit doubtful at first, but I've found it to be true. Do not use carpet treatment 
spot treatments. Like if you go to the grocery store or something, it's like the whole aisle of, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever you're supposed to spray spot treatments on your carpet. Those are actually counterproductive because what happens is you spray them on and in the short term, it looks like it's done something, but they actually leave a residue Mm -hmm. on your carpet. And so then as you walk on it or, you know, as time goes on, it actually attracts more dirt and you end up with a worse spot. I've heard that too. And I I found that to be true. So... I would say 90% of the spots that we end up with on our carpet, I I fill up, I have a Pyrex glass two-cup measuring cup with like a little spout. Okay. And I fill that up with, and I microwave it until it's hot, almost boiling. Oh. And um, I pour that on the spot. And then um, I just very gently sort of rub it. And with, with like a terry cloth towel? Or? Yeah, just, okay. a micro, just a soft towel yeah. of some sort, clean towel. And... Um, you would be amazed at how many spots come out with hot boiling, you know, almost boiling water hmm. and just, you know, leave the hot water on there for a couple of minutes and then sort of dab it and rub it a little bit. Sometimes it takes more than one application to do that. Okay. And then a really important thing is to to have something like a little wet dry vac. Oh, yeah. Or a green to machine. Suck or suck it back out. Yes, because if you're just putting, you know, let's say you put treatment on it or you put water on it, you're getting it in there, but then... I mean, imagine if you... It doesn't dry. It, it doesn't. Well, it's not even just dry. you got to get the gunk out mm-hmm. of there that you've loosened with the hot water. Yeah. So, you know, I pour the hot water on it. I, you know, rub it a little bit. And then I and then I suck out that water with a wet-dry vac. It doesn't have to be something expensive. I used nice. to have this green machine that was expensive. It died. And now I just use a little wet-dry vac. Yeah. You know, because um, what... What you don't want is the wetness and the dirt to stay down in the pad, and then it wicks up through the carpet. Yeah. And so you end up with a stain again if you don't get that out. Yes. And then, um, like, once a month on a cloudy day, the sun, you don't see the spots as much. So on a cloudy day, about once a month, (laughs) I'll go around with a little Pyrex hot water, and I'll just sort of pour it on all the spots that mysteriously appear. Yeah. I don't even know what they're from. Um, So that, I would say, would be, like, 90%. Of okay. The spots. Now, okay. The other ten percent would be like protein-based spots, like blood, mm. milk. Let's face it, feces. If you've got little right? kids, right? I mean, that's true. <laughs> yep. Or tannin stains, like coffee. You don't want to oh, pour hot water yes. on those because hot water will set those stains, yes. and you will be having those permanently. So, with those, I use the same method, but with cold water. And okay. actually, like with blood, I literally put ice cubes on mm-hmm. the stain. Oh. And let the ice cubes melt into and do that several times. And the important thing also with these stains is to not rub it because you will you will incorporate the stain into mm. the fibers of the carpet. Okay. So you take a cloth and you're blotting it. You want to blot Pat it. it down. Yes. yes. And blot it and blot it and blot it. And and then um, again, suck it out at the end. That's awesome. Yes. Um, and of course, you don't want to let the stain sit if you find that it happened you know, you, f- you see the spot, don't come back to it a week later, it'll be harder to get out. Mm. To and do it right away. To do it right Just away. Just like shirts and clothing. Yeah. Yes. And two more little quick things. Um, I did for Christmas when you ask for like one of these home little carpet steamer things. Oh, yeah. like a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And like when the, when the room gets like overly grungy and it's not like spots, it's just kind of like overly grungy. Yeah. A couple of times a year, I'll just do those rooms oh. with that home thing. Okay. And I think it was like 150 bucks. Yeah. It doesn't. 
I think I have one of those. Yeah. And then every few years we do hire a professional guy. Okay. Because what they have mounted on their trucks with the professional, you know, whatever is completely different than what you can do with the home unit. Yeah. And I would just recommend like not to go with some national chain like Stanley Steamer or something. Yeah. But like ask around. There's we've used the same guy for twenty years. Yeah. Tony. He's we, local. He's local. He just it's a, he's a one man job with yep. a great thing on his truck. You know. Yeah. But anyhow, a happy um, happy carpets are clean carpets, and that makes me happy. Yes, so. it does. <laughs> well, and it's interesting that way you've actually saved money. <clears throat> in the long run, yeah. because you're not buying a new carpet. Correct. You're actually keeping the one. I mean, using water and buying two blotting towels or whatever right. is so much cheaper than a brand new carpet wall to wall. I know. And even if yeah. you have to pay to professionally clean yeah. every few years, yeah. you know what? It, I mean, it costs so much to replace carpets. So yes, you want to preserve does. what you've got. That's great. Great tips. Thank you so much, Adrian. You're welcome. Thank you. Guess what? We have a bonus episode that we are releasing today. It is all about the sanctity of life. I think it's going to be a really hot topic and really helpful to those of you to listen. That's why we made it a bonus episode. It wasn't on our schedule, but we thought it would be a really great topic to put out this week. In addition, next week's episode is our monthly installment of our everyday theology. We have a new guest with a new topic, but the same ideas are there that we need to live God's word out in our life every single day. Don't forget to follow or like us on Instagram or Facebook. You can find us at Women of the Word CTW, and we put out new content in that platform every single week. Also, you can find us on Shaken on your favorite podcast directory. So go and subscribe today. You can find us at Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Pod, Spotify, Podbean. I mean, really, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. We drop a new episode each and every Thursday. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time. Mm-hmm.